0: I broke a hundred for the first time and uh, that's all right. This is going to be yeah, an excellent episode. This let's is, roll buddy. This is, this is, I feel on top of the world. I, I told broke, you, I broke a hundred in golf, a legitimate 97 God. on a hard golf course, tracking penalties. The whole thing greens were punched ball was bouncing all over the place. Could have been even lower. Look at you bringing it's him, like, bringing him to tears.
1: It's like a proud dad moment right now. Got, like I am so happy through, for you,
0: dude. We got through CS2 we yeah. broke a hundred. I lost to you in fantasy football. You got COVID. It's a little bit of column A. It's a little bit of column B. It's a little bit of good. It's a little bit of bad. And that's a fitting theme for this week's episode.
1: It's all about the ebbs and the flows, Jacob. It's you got to take the good. You got to take it with the bad. And you just gotta life, push on, man.
0: Life is a range. We are of here. Outcomes. You
1: shot one hundred. I feel like we have shot a size All the much.
0: demons, ninety-seven. That is beautiful. Ninety-seven. And uh, okay. okay, so. So let's let's talk about it. First of all, a little bit of housekeeping. This episode's coming out a little bit late. You're sick. We had CS2 stuff that we had to catch up on. It's spooky season. Tomorrow's Friday the 13th. There's a bunch of craziness going on in the world. We got breaking news with some new rulemaking stuff. It takes a little bit of time. Uh, but yeah, so this episode's coming out a little bit late. A lot of people are probably going to be listening to this on Friday the 13th. And we have some spooky news for you guys. Okay, so um, way back in the halcyon days of 2021 at CS2 San Diego, I gave a presentation called Fuzzy Math. And the premise of that talk is government estimates are bad. However, people often misread government estimates for how much time and money it takes to comply with cybersecurity requirements. And really the whole point of that talk was saying, did you know that 8171 a exists? and that it's important, and that you should be paying attention to it. We'll link to it, you check it out. Uh, it's a good talk. But the the overall idea is that government estimates are um, very rough pretty often. And, uh, and that brings us to the current day. So so there were two FAR rules released last week. And here's, here's the backstory of how we got there. We're gonna really fly through this really fast because we got a bunch of quick maths to go through today, everybody. So in December of 2021, SolarWinds gets hacked. Probably the worst hack in the history of the U.S. government. It's up there, top two, top three for sure. It was really, really, really bad. And so as a result, uh, in May of 2021, uh, President Biden signed Executive Order 14028 improving the nation's cybersecurity. And it's humongous for an executive order. There's tons and tons and tons of things going on in it. It directed tons of reviews. It directed tons of changes. It directed, as a result, tons of rulemaking. And one part of that executive order uh, resulted in two new FAR rules that were published in October of 2023. Uh, And so a FAR rule is a federal acquisition regulations. So these are regulations dictating something that contractors will have to do when they contract with the federal government. So the two new FAR rules are cyber threat and incident reporting and information sharing, not the best title and, 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 right? So there's an information reporting information sharing FAR rule. We'll link to that. It's interesting, different topic. The one we're focused on today is the FAR rule called standardizing cybersecurity requirements for unclassified federal information systems really rolls off the tongue. Now, the operative term in the title of this rule is federal information system. For those of you who are paying close attention to the DFARS, the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement, the regulations specific to defense contracts that supplements the FAR, you will know that DFAR-7012 is the one that we always point to as sort of the center of gravity for the world of 80171 and CMMC and this and that. However, DFAR-7010 also exists, pertains to systems that are, quote, operated on behalf of the government, a federal information system. So you run a data center for the government. You run a SAS application for the government. It is a government system that you happen to operate for them in contrast to a non federal information system, the world of DFAR 7012 800 which is a contractor system that happens to have government information on it, right? Subtle difference, but very, very important. So, so
1: backtracking real quick, hold on. So, yeah, FAR, all contractors, mm-hmm.
0: all contractors, DFAR,
1: defense contractors, defense contractors, 7010. 70, information systems operated on behalf of the government
0: federal information
1: 12 is yep 7012 is non federal information systems non-contractor so systems.
0: System.
1: Yeah, just, yeah, just to break that out a little
0: bit further. If you're talking about a federal information system, <clears throat> a system operated for the government on behalf of the government 853. If you're talking about a non federal system, contractor system that happens to have federal data on it, eight hundred one seventy one, a derivative of 853. And if if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, 853 is the secret to the universe. It is the magic key that allows you to understand the underlying connective tissue under all of these regulations, all this jargon, all this nonsense. It all goes back to 853, including cost estimates, which is what we're going to talk about today so okay it's a uh, scary place to get
1: into uh, yeah Friday i mean we're we're rolling
0: here right because we got a we got a bunch of numbers to get through we're going to try to make i'm not a math guy i don't know if you're a math guy right not a math guy i don't I, we're not a lot of cyber people aren't math people it's no big deal we're gonna try and get through this as as you know make it as painless as possible Just very quickly okay. the new far rule says quote a federal information system is an information system used or operated by an agency by a contractor of an agency or by another organization on behalf of an agency. That is the official definition in contrast to a non-federal information system. Federal, non-federal, 7010, 7012, 853, 80171. Bing, bang, boom. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. So one of the things that they talk about in this FAR rule that people would be familiar with if they are familiar with the RMF process, the risk management framework process is Federal information systems, whether they're operated by a contractor or they're operated by the government, have to be categorized according to FIPS 199, right? This isn't FIPS encryption. This is a different information standard. FIPS 199, they're going to be categorized as low, moderate, or high. Pretty basic, pretty straightforward. And depending on which categorization they get is which baseline out of 853 you start with, the low baseline, the moderate baseline, the high baseline. Right. After you pick your baseline, you tailor controls in or out. You select your organizationally defined parameters. You have your set of requirements, and then you off to the races you go. And then you build your system. Right? How hard? How hard could it be? I- anyways, uh, we did the same thing for coming up with 80171. Right? Federal information is categorized just like federal information systems are categorized. Controlled unclassified information is a form of federal information. It is categorized at the moderate impact level. Therefore, we start with the 853 moderate baseline. As we talked about at CS2 uh, uh, last week, uh, you tailor that moderate baseline down and through a series of decisions and assumptions, some good, some bad, you end up with a subset of that moderate baseline. We call that subset 800-171. It is a derivative of the 853 moderate baseline. Very important to remember as we move forward here. Okay, so uh, they're, they're applying a bunch of requirements, not just 853, you should check out the rule. It's pretty long, there's a lot of stuff in it. It's very interesting. We're really just focused on 853 cost estimates here. So the government in this rule says that there are a bunch of buckets of things that affect cost, there are factors that affect cost. And they say the extent to which each of these guidance documents, various 800, uh, 800 series NIST documents, The extent to which these guidance documents need to be implemented by a contractor depends on many variables, including the extent to which the guidance is already implemented on the contractor's existing practices. Sounds like NFO control assumptions. Mm -hmm. Uh, The scope and requirements of each contract, the knowledge and expertise of the contractor's employees, which, um, as we know, in the contracting base is uh, sometimes a precious commodity, I'll say the manner in which the contractor chooses to implement a requirement, and the resources and tools available to the contractor in performing the contract. Uh, Just just at this high level, as a general set of things to consider for factoring costs, we already have some issues, right? You Mm -hmm. are talking about the extent to which things are already implemented on contractor networks, big assumption. Uh, The knowledge and expertise of contractor employees, not always uh, available in spades. Uh, the resources and tools available to contractors performing these things uh, also not um, usually just growing out of our ears. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So then they also caveat these estimates that we're getting ready to get to. And they say the cost for complying with NIST guidelines accounts for the time it takes for contractors to closely read through the documents. Uh, Reading support the time. It, yeah, the time it takes to analyze the requirements against the current state of your systems and identify any necessary changes, and the time it takes to implement and document those changes as needed. So, the full life cycle from the time you crack open the magic of eight hundred fifty three until the time you go through and you start implementing eight hundred fifty three. These cost ranges include all of that.
1: So what life cycle and is this a realistic life cycle because you just said things that automatically you you pointed them out right there's assumptions that they've already implemented things there's assumptions that they have skill to implement those things and maintain those things and there's yes. assumption there's actually resources that can do it and then the current state are they taking into the fact that all these assumptions that they made haven't happened and the current state actually is non-existent and you're starting from scratch
0: uh no, they have not. So to ah, answer your question, okay. which which life cycle are they talking about? The essence of 853 itself, what NIST refers to as the system development life cycle, is the life cycle that they are implying here. Sure. Uh, is it realistic? No, it is not. Longer conversation, uh, but that's really what they point to. It rhymes very closely with the rhetoric used in 853. If you're familiar with 853, this sounds very familiar to you. If you're not familiar with 853, you might be like, mm, smells a little fishy. Okay, anyways, they're caveating, they're caveating, they're caveating before they get to their estimates. So we're just sort of setting this up because we made a LinkedIn poll that said, uh, how much is it gonna cost to implement 8171 based off of the estimates they gave us for 853? And everybody got big mad at me because they're like, there's a bunch of caveats to how much the, the the estimates could be. Yeah, I know. It's in the rule. Go read the rule and then you'll sort of see where we got the numbers from. So we're just covering these caveats up front mm-hmm. so that people don't come after us in the comments, right? So more specifically to what people sort of said in the LinkedIn comments on the poll, which we'll which we'll link. Uh, the cost and effort to implement and maintain compliance will vary by contractor depending on various factors, including the complexity of the information system, the availability of employees with requisite knowledge and skills to implement the necessary controls, uh, the need to install hardware or software and the chosen solution, the number of users' impact, the types of devices used, and the complexity of the contractor's network for, repeated for a second time more complex, the more expensive. So they're like size, complexity, users, endpoints, hardware, software, specific solutions, all going to affect cost. It's going to, you know, create a range of estimates, which is what we get from here. Okay. Last caveat. The effort and resources a contractor will expend to comply with NIST SP-853 specifically will vary depending on two things. Whether the affected federal information system is an existing system that sort of needs to be brought up to code, if you will, and a, or a system uh, that will be custom built to government specifications. So you're building a new system to 853, mm-hmm. you're modifying and bringing a system up to 853. So they give us a cost, a, a range of estimates for those two scenarios. Um, okay. Uh, Another thing that they say here, just very quickly, they say uh, existing systems already implement some of the guidelines required by the clause, or their implementation has already been accepted by the government, so you're already up and running. Uh, A custom-built system is what they call it. A custom-built system has no pre-existing controls in place and will require a greater amount of effort and resources. Pretty straightforward, right? Okay, so this is the range of estimates that they give us. I think that this is the range of estimates. The low end is the moderate baseline. The high end is the high baseline. However, this range of estimates may cover the low baseline from 853 up to the high baseline of 853. I say that because it could be that uh, the numbers are closer in the middle of these two things rather than on the lower end of these two things, which we'll explain. Anyways, here's the fun part. So for a non-cloud federal information system, non ramped system that is already in existence, that needs to be brought up in the first year for implementation to bring it up to code, they say that to implement 853 range of baselines, very large range of possibilities here, it would take somewhere between 2,300 to 6,500 hours. And it would take somewhere between 218,000 and 683 grand in labor and materials to get you implemented up to that point. Ongoing compliance and maintenance uh, every year there on out, depending on which baseline you end up in, could be anywhere between $127,000 and $478,000. Wow, that's a lot of money. They also give similar numbers when you talk about a net new system, a custom system as they call it, one that isn't already on contract that needs to comply with 853. Again, big range of baselines. There in the first year, they say it's somewhere between 7300 hours of work, somewhere between three hundred and eight k and nine hundred and seventy-six thousand dollars in labor and materials. The ongoing cost of maintenance is eerily similar, somewhere between one hundred and twenty-seven and four hundred and seventy-eight grand. Mm-hmm. So that's for eight hundred fifty-three, low, moderate, high baseline, low to high range of estimates for a non ramped system. These are big numbers for a big catalog of controls. This is not a we're, we're We're getting there, everybody. Just stick with us here. Very quickly in the rule, you should read it. They say that if you're dealing with a cloud federal information system, that is a system that needs to be FEDRAMPed, take those numbers that we just said, jack them up by 25%, and that should put you in the ballpark for a FEDRAMP system. Something to keep in mind when we talk about FedRAMP moderate equivalency uh, probably in the future sometime. Okay, so they give us these big ranges, right? Everybody good?
1: Yeah, so you're you you going to you're gonna talk about money. You're going to keep jumping into money. I just wanted to point some numbers out that I threw down right here as to the hours weekly that you would have to have lying around invested to do this implementation, okay? So the manpower hours. For the non-cloud existing federal information system, you would need an additional 125 hours a week. 125 manpower hours a week is what that averages if you get to the custom it's 140 if you go to the cloud uh, the, the um federal information system in the cloud so you have to get the fed ramp 175 extra manpower hours
0: a week yeah yeah well so here's the fun part about the rule caveat that we're not really talking about today uh they talk about the contractors that they already have on contract to run these big big information systems sure. for the government already they're not small businesses they're not small manufacturers. They're not small engineering firms. They are not most of the people listening to this podcast. We're talking big boy 1% defense contractors here that are doing like I big IT contracts and things like that. So where that. are those estimates? The ones that affect well, the people that are actually affected by the stuff, right? Well, so here's the thing. We're talking federal information systems here. So right. they don't estimate things for small businesses. They don't estimate things for small contractors. They don't estimate things for 800-171 because this is the magical totally different world of federal 853 systems, right? There's no connection whatsoever. We can't possibly understand the connection between 853 estimates and 80171 estimates. In in fact, right? In fact, the government has never once provided an estimate for the cost of implementing sp 171 directly. And we know this because if we go back through previous rulemaking, I know, I know, I know. But if you go back to the 2013 rule that created DFAR 7012 for the very first time, they specified a baseline of 853 controls. What do you know? pre mm-hmm. pre 171 we only had 853 to go off of. And in the 2013 rule, they say, and I quote, The controls in the rule are taken from NIST SP-853, which closely parallels ISO 27000. As such, the controls represent mainstream industry practices. While there is cost associated with implementing information assurance controls, the use of industry practices provides assurance that the costs are reasonable. However, they don't estimate the cost. They just say, whatever it's going to cost, it's going to be reasonable because this is pretty much like ISO 27000. Three years later in the 2016 rule, they say, and I quote, the cost of compliance with the requirements in this rule, now they're pointing to 800-171, right? The cost mm-hmm. of compliance with the requirements in this rule is unknown as the cost is determined based on the makeup of the information system and the current state of security already in place. Wow. NFO controls, exactly like the caveats they gave. Now they gave those caveats in this FAR rule, but they were still somehow able to give us a number in the cost estimate. So in the 2016 rule, they continue and they say, if a contractor is already in compliance with the 2013 version of the clause DFAR 7012, then the changes necessary to comply with the new rule are not as significant. For a new contractor that has not been subject to the previous iteration and is now handling covered defense information, the cost could be significant to comply. The government's words here still don't give us a number. They just say, I hope you did the thing in 2013 that we said was reasonable. If you did, it's not so bad. If you didn't do the thing in 2013, it's gonna be significant. Then in 2020, right, we get the CMMC rule. And famously, the CMMC rule, does not estimate the cost to implement 80171. It estimates the cost to assess your implementation of 80171 because CMMC is an assessment program for the mm-hmm. requirements in 80171 that you had in the 2016 rule that revised the 2013 rule. And in the 2020 rule, they say, uh, they say the phrase contractors should have already implemented their 80171 requirements seven times they say it's seven times every time they estimate the cost of assessment they say this does not include the cost of implementing 8171 if you dig back and back and back they never actually estimate the cost of implementing 8171 so what does all this mean if they have an estimate for 801, or if they have an estimate for 853 even a broad range and we know how much of 853 shows up in 8171 we can do the impossible we can see the future we can do things that the US government is unable to do and we can factor down their 853 cost estimates and get a rough ballpark for what 8171 might cost if they ever decided to be brave enough in rulemaking to estimate their costs Okay, So how do you go through rulemaking
1: and especially rulemaking for the CMMC rule where it went to small business administration to be reviewed before it went to OIRA and nowhere in that did small business step up and say, hey, let's think about how much this is going to cost our people. Well,
0: the CMMC rule rule estimates the cost of CMMC assessment. Now, that doesn't mean that those cost estimates are accurate. That just Mm -hmm. means that they estimated the thing that the rule is about. And this goes back to the thing that we've been saying for years now, right? If... Yeah. If you say that CMMC is too expensive, right? What you're saying is the cost of assessment is too expensive, which may very well be true, but that is a separate issue from the cost of implementing 80171 pursuant to DFAR 7012, right? So what ends up happening is people hear about CMMC, they go out and they try to tackle it, they figure out that it's going to cost them a bunch of money, and they say, well, CMMC is what costs a bunch of money, not 80171 171 implementation costs a bunch of money. So when people submit comments on the CMMC rule about the cost of 80171, the DOD is going to toss them right out the window and go, we already covered this in 2016. Next. So there's there's two two folds to this, right?
1: There's one fold is the fact that there are people that um, are claiming to be CMMC early adopters, but realistically they're DFARS negligent parents, right? Where they haven't touched... <laughs> Is am I, am I right or wrong? Right? They're like, oh, we're all on the CMMC thing, and the cost is coming from that. But realistically, they've had the cost coming from seventy twelve since twenty thirteen or whatever it may be. But then on the yeah. other side of the fold, and what we have to be um, sympathetic to is the fact that there are people that this is a CMMC cost because now their primes are saying do the CMMC right, and they don't have well, anything right, and there's yeah, and that's
0: a and that's I mean that's a that's a big that's a big a, a issue, whole, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah the, I agree with you 100%. I'm um, just saying that the assumptions here are pretty good for I would say at least 80% of the people that are getting affected by this. Yeah. The other 20% just really got the shaft. And so now you get to look into the future. And I think you did some math to show exactly what these estimates are going to be right based off right. of yeah, implementation these, skills, these, the resources, and, and I, you stuff, know, I right? sort
0: of did this for you know. I don't know what other people do on the weekends when they're hanging out in the Rocky Mountains. I'm estimating costs based off of new far rules, right? It's you're just you're sinking 40 foot putts and saying that this is going to cost. I'm breaking you 100 hours of we're, your life. We're right? estimating, yeah, you know, we're like we can do it all around here, Why right? Not, yeah, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, I, <laughs> I spent more if I spent more time on the driving range uh, and a little less time estimating costs. The podcast would probably be less popular, but I'd probably, you know, maybe I'd break 90. Who knows? Anyways, anyways, here's the magic. Here's the magic step, right? Here's the part where people will either, they're either sticking with us or they're getting off the ride. So if we have estimates for 853 implementation, even broad ranges, if we can take the amount of 853 that shows up in 8171, we can factor those ranges down and get a number. Right. So we know that the 853 moderate baseline is 287 controls and enhancements. The number of purple squares that we talked about at CS2 last week, the number of purple squares are the number of those controls that are considered to be relevant to protecting CUI confidentiality, which I often call the CUI baseline. Moderate baseline tailored down to CUI confidentiality. You have the CUI baseline. That's 168 controls. That's 59% of the moderate Mm -hmm. baseline. If you take the number of controls that shows up word for word in 800-171-R3, the initial draft, you end Mm -hmm. up with 106 controls or 39% of the 853 moderate baseline. So the rough range here is whatever the range of estimates are for the moderate baseline, we can take a number that is... 39 to 59% of that and probably land somewhere in the ballpark of what it would cost to implement 8171 171 r 3 initial draft, right? That's the right. logic that we're following here. So let's apply those percentages to the numbers that are given to us in the FAR rule. All right, strap in everybody. Here's quick maths. So for a non-cloud federal information system, non-FedRAMP, an existing system will take the lowest number that they give us in the range in the FAR rule, which is 2,300 hours and 218 grand for your implementation in year one. 39% of that is 897 hours or 22 weeks and $85,000, right? 59% of that number is 1,357 hours or 33 weeks and 128 grand. So you're talking, Uh, 22 to 33 weeks, 85 to 128 grand as a 39 to 59% ballpark from the lowest number that the government gives us for implementing 853 in an existing non-cloud system, right? Mm -hmm. That is the lowest number off the top of my head. Based off my experience, that seems pretty reasonable on the very, very low end. However, Mm -hmm. I think that... To the government, they would say, wow, that's a very low number. To industry in the Dib, sub-tier suppliers, if that number starts to actually show up, that's a big, big number for the majority of the Dib. We're talking the lowest number in the range that they give us in the FAR rule, right? It's it's already big. Let's, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. The ongoing compliance and maintenance cost, the lowest number they give us is $127,000, 39% of that. Fifty grand a year for your ongoing cost. I mean, that's a, that's a number that doesn't get brought up very much. Is how much it costs to keep this thing rolling down the tracks. Your first year implementation costs uh, is is just part of part of the equation, right? Yep. Okay. So they give us this big range. They give us like a low number. They give us a really really big number. So we don't really have anything assigned to the low, moderate, high baseline. So I went and took the median number between the estimates and the FAR rule. And the median number for year one implementation for a non-FEDRAMP existing federal information system is 4,400 hours, $450,000 in labor for your implementation. 39% of those numbers is 1,700 hours, 43 weeks, so almost an entire year, 175 grand. 59% number, if we talk about more, right? uh, The entire CUI baseline. You're talking 2,500 hours or getting close to a year and a half, $265,000. So we're talking about a year to a year and a half. You're talking about 175K, 265K. And I think that a lot of people would probably be pretty surprised, like we have talked about on this show, like people who do not work for us, who are not our clients have presented at CS2 and other events. For the average company out there, around 50 to 100 employees that's dealing with these requirements, it generally takes them 12 to 18 months and somewhere in the neighborhood of six figures to get them fully implemented. You take the median estimate for 853, you reduce it by the amount of 853 that shows up in 8171, and what do you end up with? 12 to 18 months and somewhere in uh, the six figure range for your full implementation. People who are paying attention might notice that that's option C on the LinkedIn poll, which closes or was probably already closed by the time you're reading this. Uh, it's the one that people are not really picking very much, right? Eerily accurate to what we have heard, based off of what we've seen, based off of what you know sources not attributed to us have said uh, out in the ecosystem. I was surprised at how how close that number was. Okay, so. Let's see here, if you talk about a net new system, what they talk about as a custom system, take the lowest number that they give us, they say it's 3,000 hours, 300 grand for your implementation. 39% of that, 1,100 hours, 29 weeks, 1,700 hours, 44 weeks, 39 to 59%, 1,100 to 1,700, 29 to 44 weeks, 300 grand for a net new system for 853 uh, is the lowest estimate. 39 to 59% of that is 120 grand to 180 grand. Still right in that ballpark of what we're talking about here because a lot of people aren't going to be able to bring their existing system up to code. A lot of people are going to have to sort of engineer a new solution because it's just so expensive to try to retrofit and uh, refactor some existing information systems, right? They say Mm -hmm. ongoing compliance and maintenance, $126,000. That ends up being somewhere between 50 to 75K which is basically exactly the same as your existing system. Uh, you know, the net new system and the existing system really only differ for your year one implementation. If you take the median, the median number for a non-cloud net new system, year one implementation is 5,100 hours, uh, which is somewhere between 50 and 76 weeks when you factor it down for how much shows up in eight hundred one seventy one. 171 It's $642,000 in implementation which is somewhere between 250 to 375k that one feels a little high um, but we're not we're not we're, we're we're factoring that window down you're you're still talking here uh, 6 to 18 months 50 to 200k very 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 broad very big lots of caveats we spent at the beginning of this episode the rule spends a bunch of space Lots of caveats. I know, I know, I know. There are a lot of variables. But we, but everybody wants an estimate. Everybody wants the government to make the estimate, which is extremely difficult to do. I think this method works as a rule of thumb. I think it matches up with a lot of what we see in the industry. In case anybody is interested, these numbers pertain to 800-171-Revision 3. The initial draft is where we get those numbers from. If you want to think about the amount that it would cost for 800-171-Revision 2, the current set of requirements as of October of 2023, you would reduce those numbers by 37% because the jump from 171-R2 to the initial draft of R3 is an increase of 37% in terms of the number of determination statements that you have to answer, which would put you somewhere between, uh, let's see here, fifty thousand dollars for your initial implementation on the low end of an existing system up to somewhere around hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars for a net new solution in the median estimate uh for just that 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 eight hundred one seventy one r2 baseline 50 to 150k i think people will find a lot of stuff out there kind of lines up with those numbers and i think if you you know if you keep those same number of implementation hours um, you'll end up with something that lines up with a lot of experiences that occur out there in the Dib. You know, one of the big, one of the big themes in the comments on that poll is, you know, we, we, basically, we basically picked some of these results and we said, is it A, is it B, is it C, is it banana? Most people pick banana. Uh, pretty much everybody in the comments said, it doesn't really matter what the number is. All of these numbers are too expensive for small businesses to deal with. And I don't have an answer. And the DoD doesn't have an answer. Nobody has an answer for that problem. We these are the numbers. I mean, these are the rough ranges with some kind of loose logical jumps to get to those ranges, and they end up looking a lot like what reality looks like for people who are implementing these controls for real. So I don't that these numbers definitely aren't going to show up in the CMMC rule that we're waiting on. They hadn't showed up in 2013. They didn't show up in 2016. They didn't show up in 2020. They ain't showing up in 2023, right? It's just not going to happen. But, uh, you know, you can do the math. You can check our math. You can read the rule. You can go out and get bids. I think you're going to end up in this ballpark all day long.
1: Yeah, everything that you read off sounds like actually experiences from the trenches that I've run into and how much these companies are costing to implement it. Um, Funny enough, Jacob. Um, you had mentioned that there's no cost estimate for 171, right?
0: Except not for, directly. I mean, not, yeah. they don't there. I mean, this there's some cool. stuff that's been out there historically, but it's not like in here they have no qualms about estimating 853, even though that's much harder to do. It's a much bigger range than 800 yeah. and 171. They just go, Oh yeah, there's some issues, you know, cause there's a lot of variables, but here's a big range of time and money for implementation time and money for ongoing maintenance Bob's your uncle. Send in your comments. You get to non-federal systems and eight hundred one seventy one, and they just go, whoop. Well, you know, we don't know. They knew. Well, one of the
1: people that was working on that cost estimate for 53 was like, I'm from the future. And sometime in the future, a big man with a big red beard is going to break this down for us on a podcast. And we're not going to have to do it. And you've done it. The crazy thing is, is that how often does NIST release cost estimates on things? Never. The Crazy they thing about this whole scenario, yeah, they did once in 2019, right. they released a cost estimate for 171 B, which is a baseline on top of 171. We don't even have a cost estimate for the initial baseline, the minimum right. baseline that's required, but we have a cost estimate for the enhanced baseline, right? That is insane. Well, why can we not get that?
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, in 171B, it's it's an even bigger range, right? It's, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. It will link to the 171B estimate, but it doesn't make any sense because they're estimating a smaller subset of 853, and then their estimate is a bigger ballpark than when they con- 853. Like, what? Why? But the why 171 is- baseline is contingent
1: on the minimum baseline, right? right? Like, you can you can't just go out and throw them whatever amount of money that they're estimating right, and then you're good, good to go because well, and, yeah, all of those missed,
0: assumptions is that you've already done it. Right. Like I, and I missed, just missed in that, but you know, we'll link to it. People should read it. <clears throat> you know, it's from back in the day. They basically are like, Oh yeah, it could cost somewhere between like 10 grand and $10 million. And you're like, yeah, thanks a lot. That, yeah.
1: just <laughs> just of all course the it costs
0: between 10 grand and $10 million. Like that doesn't, that's not an estimate. Or, <laughs> it doesn't, or, it's not. It's not useful. Or the or default
1: anything. Jacob answer. It's gonna be a non-zero number. It's a non-zero reputation. amount of money. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One dollar, Bob. It's yeah, it's uh it's a non-zero amount of money. So yeah, the, the 171B estimate is uh is definitely an anomaly that exists out there, but I just I've never understood it because it's you're estimating a smaller subset of 53. You have no problem, obviously. And this isn't just DOD, guys, a far rule. Is published in in is published jointly by the DoD, the uh, GSA, and NASA in conjunction with the civilian agency acquisition council. All of the agencies get together and they mm-hmm. agree on what goes into this rule, and then this rule goes up to OIRA and then has to get published after it's reviewed by OIRA in the Office of Management and Budget, the Office of Management. And budget, the budget people (laughs) looked at the numbers and they go, yeah, checks out. And then you're like, okay, so I mean, I know that there's a lot of caveats and there are rough estimates, but a lot of people looked at this and they were like, yep, seems good to me. So just factor it down by how much of 53 shows up in 171 and you end up with, to the government, some pretty non consequent inconsequential numbers, you show it to the Dib and you put it on LinkedIn, people's heads explode. So uh, you know, I hate to drop a problem on people and run, but hopefully the numbers that we cover here, cover in the poll, cover in the blog that'll come out on this that we'll eventually link, you know, give some more context. This is not a five thousand dollar problem. This is not a ten thousand dollar problem. This is not a two-week problem, right? Like Uh, Scott Edwards, CEO of Summit 7, loves to say this is a six figure problem and it's going to take you at least a year all day long. Even the early adopters that have been on top of this problem for a while now still take 12, 18 months, somewhere in the neighborhood of six figures to actually do it right. Here's the numbers. Here's how we got to them. You can factor them down yourself. You can check the math. It's all public record in the rule. We've published a bunch of information about how much of 853 shows up in 8171, 171 And when the CMMC rule comes out, none of it really matters because the CMMC rule, the costs associated with CMMC assessment are not these costs, right? Yeah. They're assuming you've implemented these things.
1: I, I don't think either of us are naive enough to think that um, the analysis hasn't been done and the numbers don't exist. I'm just smart enough to realize that we're probably never going to see them.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we're on this show. We'll say the things that the government doesn't want to say. We'll do the estimates. The government doesn't want to estimate. Hopefully people find it valuable. If you do like and subscribe, we're coming up. This is the October is the one year anniversary of the show. We just did the live show at CS2. We're coming up on 4,000 subs. So if you find the content valuable, if you like us ranting and raving about the the minutiae of 853 and 171 and what that means on the ground in terms of dollars and cents, drop a like, drop a comment, let us know what you want to hear in the future. Uh, we'll link to the poll, we'll link to the rule, we'll link to all these resources and you can go nuts to your heart's content and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week.